You're listening to Shift, Human First Financial Guidance with Ross Marino. Today, we are shifting the conversation with Dr. Mary Bell Carlson. Hello, Mary. Hi, good to see you, Ross. It's good to see you. And right before we started recording, you actually showed me something that just, I think, came in the mail today. What do you have? I've got the book. The Love book that we just finished up, Anchors, Ostriches, and a Hot Pair of Scissors. And if you're like, what in the world do those th three things have to, to do with each other? You should grab a copy, <laughs> but it's all on behavioral economics and really making it apply for any financial professional. Well, uh, I had a sneak peek at the book, loved it, took a lot of notes, was able to correspond with you on it. And uh, what I had mentioned is that I found it, I gave you three words, right? Insightful, approachable, yeah. and practical. Because I know some of the stuff can get pretty heady when you're with yeah. behavioral um, economics and finance, but before we dive into that, you can't let that title go. Please tell me the title again, and you got to tell me where that came from. Well, I cannot take credit for that. That's actually my co-author, Jonathan Walker. He, uh, It's called Anchors, Ostriches, and a Hot Pair of Scissors, Navigating Human Behavior as a Financial Professional. My version is Applied Behavioral Finance. The way to go, I mean, just the stuff that puts you to sleep, right? So it was really interesting in this book writing process. It, I actually had to unlearn how to write because I had written as an academic for over a decade. And so I would write a paragraph with about 10 citations per paragraph. And you'd go, Mary, no one wants to read that. It's so boring. Oh, so I'd have to go back and redo. Well, at the end, I said, okay, great. We finished the book. Now here's the title. And he's like, uh, let's work on that. And so Jonathan's an amazing marketer and just has an amazing ability to utilize words in an interesting way. So I give him all the credit for that. Uh, but yeah, it definitely, people are like, at first it took me a while. I was like, I don't know if I like that. And all of a sudden I was like, well, at least it makes someone crack a book, right? It's something you haven't heard before. <laughs> well, and since I read the book, uh, I can connect in my brain, the anchor, the ostrich, and the huge pair of scissors, because I, re I remember reading it. And uh, it, it, it was just really cool, because you definitely use some visuals in there. And, you know, I'm an advisor, so you have to keep it pretty simple for me. You start doing citations and you say pose it and things like that, that words I haven't read in a long time, you lost me. Uh, that's it. I'm just going to be gone. I'm not really sure what that stuff means. How about we just touch right off the bat? How about the anchors? Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. There's something. So kind of backing up a bit is we all have these things called cognitive biases. And, and these biases are naturally things that happen. We've identified about 180 of them. There's new biases being discovered all the time. It's not something that is bad or good. It's just something that happens. And so heuristics is actually one of those shortcuts to help us get to the best outcome. So we use this a lot in financial planning. I'll give you an example. It's a rule of thumb in emergency savings, right? We say three to six months, that's a heuristic. It You cut through, there's a reason why it's three to six months, but a lot of times we just cut through that and say have three to six months in emergency account. So fast forward, in the book, we go through 10 cognitive biases that we see a lot in financial planning. 
And with that, uh, we break them down. And one of them is what is known as the anchoring bias. And what anchoring bias is, is whenever you, maybe you remember back to your college days, or if it's been a while, anytime you go to college events, you see tables of credit cards everywhere, right? Credit card companies spend millions of dollars trying to learn in college students. Well, why is that? They're the, definitely not the highest income group, right? They're not making money. Why do they care so much to give credit cards to college students? And it's anchoring bias because the first credit card you get, studies have shown that you're more likely to stick with that credit card company than any of the rest throughout the rest of your life. And so um, that's why they want you to be that first credit card in the pocket. And so we talk a lot about anchoring bias and how Sometimes that can be used to our disadvantage. I remember as a high school student learning about stocks and bonds from my business teacher. And she said, well, stocks are like Kellogg's, right? So I invest in Kellogg's because everyone eats cereal and you have to have milk with cereal. Now, I do not advocate for that investment rationale. I, I don't think that is sustainable. But I remember 10 years or more later, when I opened up my first investment account in my 20s, I went back to that anchoring moment and thought, do I need to be investing in Borden's and in Kellogg, right? Because of what my high school teacher had said so long ago. So those are examples of an anchoring bias that just allows kind of, and they can be fallacy too. They don't have to be rational, um, but it's something that we continue to go back to time and time again. So the shortcuts, would that be the heuristics? That's it. Yep, absolutely. Well, how about we move into the huge pair of scissors? <laughs> the hot pair of scissors is interesting hot because scissors. the hot pair of scissors is two ends of the scissors. There's a hot state and a cold state. And so this has to do more with our brain processing. So there's two sides of our brain that we typically use. And please know brain surgeons in the group here. Um, but in a simplified case, we talk about the frontal cortex or the rational side of the brain versus the limbic side, the back side, which is more of the primitive brain or the emotional side. Well, when we make decisions, these are called Simon scissors. And when we make decisions, we have a hot state and a cold state. In a hot state, it can be a, a, raring, uh, a raging flare up or that you're angry about something or excited about something. It's a very hot state of being, an emotional state. Versus cold, we're more pensive or passive. With the hot state, we tend to, to go to our limbic system more often, right? We make more emotional-based decisions. Um, marketers know this all the time, that if they, they have a quick clock, right? It's a countdown clock, and you only have a certain amount of time to buy. We're using that limbic system. And we're more in a less thinking through, not using that frontal cortex. And so that's what the cold state is. We want to slow down and utilize kind of an even kill state of being where we're using that hot state and cold state to best come up in like a pair of scissors where the best come up uh, with the right state of being to make longer term decisions, not myopic decisions. That, that is so helpful for advisors is trying to understand the mindset. And, you know, so much of what we do, we're great technicians. And mm -hmm. we have information. And when I present that information, well, it's a no brainer, Mary, because it's obvious <laughs> that one plus one equals two, and this is the right decision to make. But then once the client processes it, it, it it's not as easy on their end. 
So I, I think this is a side that we have to bring in even more and more. And you know, how would you encourage advisors to maybe shift their thinking and help them understand that they have to have a deeper understanding of how the brain works and how people process? Yeah, absolutely. Well, we see this often in financial plans. When you give a client a list, so this is cho choice overload bias, which is one of the biases we talk about, you give them 150 things or even 20 things on a to-do list it's overwhelming for the client. And that's where the ostrich comes into play. Think of an ostrich with its head in the sand. They're just not going to act. They're not going to do anything on your list. And so you would rather them do one thing on that list rather than 20 things or 100. I've seen ones that take three pages. Not a good idea to hand a client a three-page to-do list of what they need to change. And so these are short heuristics that we're using these examples and saying, okay, here's what we mean by the ostrich effect, and here's how to slim it down. Here's how to take a choice overload bias where a client can't make a decision and shorten it, and maybe just instead of 31 flavors, narrow it down to 10 flavors, where they still have that ability to choose, but you're shortening that. We've seen this a lot in the retirement field. Mm -hmm. You know, we think about retirement plans over time have drastically evolved, not just from a pension stay into a 401k, but even just the amount of investment options that we give someone. And so what we're seeing, and this is all behavioral economics, is nudging, encouraging people into five plans. In fact, the largest 401k plan in the world is the thrift savings plan. And the government's thrift savings plan has five choices. That's it. No more, no less. Now, granted, it covers 96% of the market, but it's simply five choices. And you can make all kinds of connections there of how you want your investment allocation, but you only have five. And so that's exactly what they've done with target date funds, lifestyle funds, all of these changes in retirement are direct examples from what we're seeing of these applied behavioral economics. So we're taking those same concepts and saying, now how can financial planners and financial professionals use this in their business to come up with similar outcomes for their clients? The book was excellent. I encourage all advisors to take a look at it. I know it's out on Amazon now, right? It is. Yep. It's up on Amazon and we'll include the link. I'll send it over. That's going to be awesome. Now you have helped me quite a bit with Shift working on the agenda, helping me connect with different speakers, brainstorming different organizations. Uh, love what you've done. You, you've made a big impact in it. What are you looking forward to at Shift? You know, honestly, I just think it's such a unique group of individuals coming together and hearing from everyone else. What There's so many people in this space, but we've never really connected under one group or one umbrella. And so I'm really excited to, to be at Shift and not only to speak, but to hear what others are learning and what they're working on and being able to bring it all together, most importantly for advisors. Because at the end of the day, if we, especially as researchers, stay in our field and do our research with our hat on, no one knows about it. The best part is making that connection and saying, here's how to implement it. And I think it's really going to help those advisors that come to be able to take away direct practices that say, here's what I can change today. Here's one small step I can take to help me a little more with my clients or improve whatever that goal may be for them. We've always said internally that the success of a conference is determined by what the advisor does when they go back to their office. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it's just uh, vocational recreation. 
And we're not interested in that. So I, I love that we have such a strong academic bent, but we also have the people that understand it has to be, here's what to do, here's how to do it, here's why it works. So hopefully that'll translate into transformation with those advisors. I think it should be pretty cool. Absolutely. And I love the connection. So many of those that are speaking have worked directly or do work directly with clients. And so they're not just thinking from a theoretical framework, they're actually utilizing their experience as well to bring it to the stage. Well, it's going to be cool. Glad you're going to be a part of it. Thanks for Thanks. being on the show today. Congrats on the new book. Thanks for Thank being you. here, Dr. Mary Bell Carlson. Mm -hmm. Thank you for listening to Shift with Ross Marino. Please visit humanfirst.live to learn more. This show is for general information purposes only and is not intended to provide recommendations or advice. Speak with a legal, tax, or financial advisor before making any decisions. Past performance references are historical and do not guarantee future results.